Well, good morning, Salem Chapel. Uh, we're so glad to have you tune in with us this morning. If you're new with us, I want to thank you so much for tuning in. If you are part of our family here at Salem Chapel, uh, I hope that you have your Bible, you're ready to get into God's Word. And I want to invite you to turn to your Bibles to Psalm 27. We started a brand new series last week entitled Heart of a Lion. And what we are really answering in this series is how do you, how do I live courageously in this chaotic world that we all are experiencing regardless of the circumstances that we are in. Psalm 27 is a psalm of courage and of confidence. And we're going to walk through it verse by verse. And so we gave a definition of what we mean when we say heart of a lion. And the definition is this. And if you didn't write this down last week or you're tuning in for the first time, I encourage you to write this down. I encourage you to grab a pen, to grab something to write with, because I believe the things that we are going to look at today are going to apply to what you are experiencing or have experienced this past week. So here's the definition of heart of a lion. Living with a courageous confidence in the character and competency of the Lord in all circumstances. That's what we mean by heart of a lion. And Psalm 27 is going to instruct us on how we live with that type of heart. You know, this psalm was written by David. I said this last week. It was written by David as he is fleeing from King Saul. King Saul is jealous of David. David has been anointed as the next king in Israel. And King Saul wants to kill David. And so David has run for his life into the desert, hiding in the caves of Israel. I mentioned last week we showed this picture. It's on your screen again how I had the privilege this past fall to go to Israel and to actually see the caves that David would have hid in and to be able to see how many there are and, and just thinking about what it would have been like to go from dark cave to dark cave wondering is today the day that King Saul will find me and thinking about David thinking those thoughts. And so if there's anyone... As we think about the situation that we are in, if we think about what David was experiencing, if there was anyone that knew what social distancing was like, if there was anyone who knew what it meant like to be separated from his friends and family, it would be David. And I think understanding the context of the person who wrote this psalm under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit just helps this psalm apply to where you and where I live in this present day. We mentioned this last week as well, that Jesus is our perfect example of what it looks like to live with a heart of a lion, to live out the things that we are looking at in Psalm 27. Revelation 5.5 speaks of Jesus this way, Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered. So one of the things that we gave as, if you want to call it homework or a challenge last week, is that you would memorize Psalm 27, 1 and 2. Because here's our goal, is that when we are done with this series, that we would have this entire psalm memorized. How awesome would that be? And so hopefully you memorize verses 1 and 2. So if you did, I want you to say those two verses with me right now. Let's say them together. Psalm 27, 1 and 2. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? 
The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. You may say, man, Johnny, I'm late to the game or, or I, didn't, I don't do so well memorizing. Man, I want to encourage you. I found an app that someone else told me about on my phone called Versus. You can download that app. That's a great app to be able to memorize passages of Scripture. So if you didn't do it last week, don't allow that to hinder you from memorizing it this week. Psalm 27, 1 and 2. This morning, we're going to look at verses 3 and 4. So would you look with me at verses 3 and 4. Psalm 27 says this, verse 3, Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after. If you're writing in your Bible, which you know if you call Salem Chapel your home, I encourage you to do so, circle that phrase, one thing. David says, one thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after. What's that one thing? He tells us that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. The title of the message this morning, if you're taking notes, is this, one thing. One thing. And here's the idea that I really want to unpack for us as we walk through these two verses this morning. It's this, that a heart of a lion's greatest desire is to be in the Lord's presence. I mean, look at verse 4. That's what David says. He says, one thing I've asked of the Lord, that, will, that is what I will seek after. Let me ask you this. What's the one thing, the one thing, that you are seeking more than anything else during this time. Think about it. What's the one thing that you are seeking more than anything else during this time? And I'm sure the answers are many on the other side of this camera. And here's what I've found. The many things whatever those may be, and how you answered that question that I just asked, the many things only become the wrong things when they crowd out the one thing. And that one thing being what David has said that he longs for more than anything else, which is dwelling in the Lord's presence. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ or you have any concept of theology, you would say, well, God is everywhere. Like God's everywhere. And I would say you're absolutely right. But there's a difference between believing God is everywhere and experiencing his presence. And so here's what I want to do as we walk through this, these two verses this morning. I want to give you three things to understand about the Lord's presence so that your one thing is the right thing. Because all of us have one thing that we are seeking after. Like, we all at least have the beginning of verse 4 in common. But what do we need to understand about the Lord's presence so that the one thing is the right thing in our lives? And here's the first thing that we need to understand. I want to draw your attention again to what David says in verse 4. He says, one thing I've asked of the Lord, that will I seek after. And here's what he says, that I may dwell. That word dwell literally means to live. 
that I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Here's the first thing that you need to understand about the Lord's presence so that your one thing is the right thing. Number one, the Lord's presence is a place you need to live. And the reason why I say that is from that word dwell, which I said means live. Now, here's what you need to understand. When David says this, he's literally speaking of how he longs to worship in the tabernacle. Temple wasn't built yet. That David misses gathering together with people to worship the Lord in the tabernacle. Remember, he's been hiding. He's been secluded. He's going from cave to cave. There's very limited people with him. He's separated from his friends and his family that he loves. Can you relate? Right? Can you relate? I mean, what we're experiencing, think about before this virus hit and we had these shelter in place orders. Think about how many of us maybe took for granted gathering together in a facility to worship the Lord together, to sing together, to encourage one another, to open God's word together. And maybe we took that for granted. And so now that that's been taken away from us, I mean, we're in our fourth week doing this, that there is a longing inside of us to experience that again. And here's the win in that, that if you took that for granted, you've You've begun to see what I've said even before this happened, that there's something about gathering together with God's people and worshiping the Lord collectively that cannot be reproduced in your living room, by yourself, listening to, some, listening to someone speak on a device. It can't be replicated. Now, I'm not saying that so you turn off your, your TV or your phone or your or your mobile device right now, but I'm saying that we can relate to what David is feeling right now because of the situation that we are in with this virus and having to separate ourselves from the crowds in order for this virus not to spread. But here's what I also want you to understand. This crisis that David is in, what it does is it reminds him of what he desires most. And the thing that he desires most is to live in the Lord's presence. How do you view your relationship with the Lord right now? How do you view it? Let me give you some, some ways that you may be viewing it to be able to help you answer that question. Maybe you're viewing your relationship with the Lord as something that you rely on when you believe you need it. Right? Okay. So I, I, I'm going to rely on my relationship with the Lord because I'm in a situation where I believe I need it. And so maybe your relationship with the Lord, if you're being transparent and honest with yourself, you would say you kind of view it like a 911 call. Like, God, when I'm in trouble, I'll press into my relationship with you. Well, maybe this is another way that you would answer that question. How do I view my relationship with the Lord? Maybe it's something that you just visit on occasion. Like your relationship with the Lord is like that relative that you see maybe twice a year. And so you're like, well, I know I have a relationship with the Lord, but really I'm not engaging in it very often. So maybe that's how you would answer that question. But I wonder if you'd answer it this way. And my relationship with the Lord is something that I can't live without. I can't live without it. It's not a place I want to visit. It's not a hotline I want to call. Man, it's a place where I want to live, 
where I want to stay. Now, here's something we need to understand about crises. And we're in one right now. That crises crushes the illusion that you are in control. This crisis that we are in has crushed the illusion for me that I am in control. Like, like, if you still think that you're in control right now, then, then I'm not sure what God needs to do to remind you of the reality that you are not. Because that's what crisis does. But here's what else crisis does. It just doesn't crush the illusion that we are in control. Here's, what, here's how God uses crisis. It is used of God to get us to press into him. To understand, Lord, my relationship with you is not a hotline that I call when I'm in trouble. Lord, my relationship with you isn't something that I visit every so often like that distant relative. No, no, no. Crisis reminds me that, Lord, my relationship with you is a thing that I want to press into. I want to enjoy it every day. I said this last week. God does not want you to have a relationship with him that is described this way. God, I'm going to look to you when I want you to get me out of this. Like maybe that's been your prayer up to this point. God, just, just get us out of this. Just, just totally get us out of it. God wants more than that with you and me. He wants a type of relationship to where we say, God, I just don't want you to get me out of this. Lord, I want to invite you into this. I want to press into you right now as I'm in this crisis. Because the first thing that we need to understand about the Lord's presence so that our one thing is the right thing is that the Lord's presence is a place that we need to live. David says, all the days of my life is when I want to experience your presence. John 15, verses 4 and 5, Jesus says this. Remember, Jesus is the perfect example of what it looks like to live out Psalm 27, Jesus says this, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. That word abide literally means to remain, to stay, to live. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. From apart from me you can do nothing. Nothing. So how do you live, how do I live or abide in the Lord's presence? Here's the first thing. You get into his word on a daily basis. I've said this before. All of us are working from home, or at least most of us. Most of us are working from home. So we have more time to establish new routines than we ever have before. Get into his word daily. If you call Salem Chapel your home, this is not new for you, but I'll say it again. Here's a simple way to read God's word. Put these three icons in a journal or in the margin of your Bible, and as you're reading God's word, answer these. Um, you have the exclamation point. What, did, what stood out to me? You have the hashtag, uh, uh, what's the one thing I can take away from what I read? And then you have that question mark. What are any questions that I have in what I've read about? Listen, I have taken guys through this that I've discipled to help them begin reading God's word. And so if you don't have a rhythm, if you don't have a pattern, then I encourage you to do this. 
Get into God's word daily. That's how you begin to live in his presence. Here's the second thing. Talk to him daily through prayer. Talk to him daily. Let me give you this practical way. Maybe if you don't have an established prayer life, just think of it this way. Here's what I would encourage you to do. Literally, to, to get a journal or on your phone or in your notes or whatever it is, think about it this way. What are three things that I'm thankful for? Just think about that. Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write out, I'm going to type out three things that I'm thankful for, and I'm going to say them to you. Then think about this. What are three things that I'm asking God for today? And write, and write those out. And then here's another three. What are three people that I can pray for today? So if you don't already have an established rhythm, what does it look like to abide, to remain, to live in the Lord's presence, to press into it? Man, I need to get in his word daily. I need to talk to him in prayer. Just think of those three threes. Three things I'm thankful for. Three things, Lord, I'm going to ask you for. Three things I'm going to pray for other people about. And then here's the third way that you live in God's presence, in the Lord's presence. Just practical things. Trust daily in the character and the competency of the Lord in all circumstances. It's our definition, right? Trust in that. Rest in that. We're going to talk more about how to practically do that, but number one thing to understand about the Lord's presence, number one, the Lord's presence is a place you need to live. Here's the second thing. Look at what it says in verse four again. David says, one thing I've asked of the Lord, that will I seek after. Here's, a, here's what else he says. Not only to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life, but he also says to gaze. That word gaze means to look intently to focus, that I would gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. Here's the second thing. The Lord's presence is a focus you need to have. Like if my one thing is going to be the right thing, then I need to understand that the Lord's presence is a focus that I need to have. Have you found it extremely hard to focus right now? Man, I'll be honest with you, transparent with you. It is very hard for me to focus during the week. Like I'm, I'm like, okay, I have these things that I need to do. I need to study for the message coming up. And it is for whatever reason, so extremely hard for me to focus. And what I've found about myself is I'm a routine person. Can, can you relate on the other side of that camera? I'm a routine person. And what a routine does for me is it gives me structure it gives me the illusion that I'm secure. It, it makes me feel stable. But here's what I found. In the midst of this crisis, my life hasn't stopped. My responsibilities haven't stopped. You could relate. Your responsibilities haven't stopped. For some of you, they've actually grown because for at least eight hours a day, your kids were at school. Now they're home with you and, and you're having to do your job. And now monitor your kids' homework. And we've all become you know, homeschool parents. And so... For some of you, maybe not much has changed. For others of us, a ton has changed. And it feels like, man, I have a million things to do right now, but I can't focus. Because your routine has been turned upside down, right? And so I'm battling, I'm just speaking for myself, where I battle is I feel like every day I'm living in a reaction mode rather than a proactive mode. And here's something I've begun to understand about crisis. And maybe you've already understood this, but the Lord is really teaching me this, that when crisis comes into our lives, it's natural to dwell on the crisis more than anyone or anything else. And I battle that. So 
Can I give you my, my, what my daily routine has been this week? Can I, can I be transparent about that? Here's been my daily routine. I, 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 uh, I look at the chart in the morning and see how many COVID-19 cases are now in our state, in our nation, in our world, and how many deaths. Like I've, I feel like I've done that every day this week. And then, and then when, I, when I look at that, then here's what I do. I, I, I go to the news and I'm like, well, has there been any readjustments to the guidelines of how long we have to have a shelter-in-place order? Like, is there any adjustments? Is there anything new? Is it being extended longer? Do, do they think that they're going to pull it back? Here's something else I've found myself doing. Then I'm going to look and see, how's the stock market doing? Is it up? Is it down? Have I lost money? Have I gained money? And I found myself doing this over and over and over. And I'd love to tell you it was once a day, but it's been many times a day. And I'm not saying that we don't need to stay informed and, and so that we can make wise decisions in this crisis. No, no, no. That, that, that's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. But listen to me. It becomes a bad thing. It becomes a bad thing when it's our main thing. And when we do this type of thing that I just described in this crisis, here's what happens. The crisis becomes larger and larger and our God becomes smaller and smaller in our perspective. Not that that's a reality, but in our perspective. And the crisis that we are in, here's what we are doing. We are either feeding our faith or we are feeding our fear. So here's literally what I had to tell myself with the encouragement of my wife, Lori. Stop. Stop. Stop consuming information on the news. Stop it. And here's literally what I had to do. Here's what I had to do. And I want to share it with you so that you know I'm no different than you are. Here's what I had to do. I literally, on our, on our wall in our, that, that leads to our bedroom, here's what we have done. Here's what Lori and I have done. We have literally written on sticky notes the different ways that we can pray for the needs of people that we've become aware of. And we literally have put that on that wall because I have to walk out of that walk by that wall every single day to get out to our living room, to get out the door, to, to do the things that I need to do in this crisis. And, and so what it does is it, it helps me. Want to know, what am I, why, why am I doing that? Why are we doing that? We're doing that so that we can focus on the Lord's presence, so that we can focus. Man, how can I pray for someone else? Here's something else that I've had to do. On my side of the bed, Next to my nightstand, I've literally every day put a sticky note of how the Lord has revealed himself to me in that day. So I have up there, you know, the Lord is my light. I have on a sticky note, the Lord is my salvation. I have on the sticky note, the Lord is my stronghold. I have on, the, on a sticky note, the Lord is my hope. I can't remember... What else I, I may have on that wall, but literally every day, every night before I go to bed, I stick another sticky note on that wall. Why? Because I need to remind myself of who my Lord is. I got to feed my faith rather than feeding my fear. What does David do to overcome his fear? It says there, he gazes, he focuses on the beauty of 
the Lord. And what I've found is you can't focus and I can't focus on the Lord's presence without being thankful. David's in a cave. He's all by himself. He's separated from his family. He doesn't know if his life is going to be taken from him today. And what does he do? He says, I'm going to gaze. I'm going to focus on the beauty of the Lord. I'm going to be thankful for who I know the Lord to be because gratitude shrinks your fear and feeds your faith. And the most beautiful thing that you can concentrate on right now is the Lord's love for you. It's the most beautiful thing. It's the most amazing thing. See, some of you are battling. You may be even tuning in and you're like, well, I still don't have the, this question. How can a good God allow this virus to happen? Well, that's a big question, but I want to answer it as quickly as possible. Here's what you need to understand. This world that we are living in has sin in it. And this virus is a result of sin in the world. It's not a result of God. We, humanity, chose to sin. God in Genesis 3, sin enters the world. And it not only affects humanity, it also affects creation. Romans 8 talks about how creation is affected by sin. But here's what I want you to understand. No, no, no. God is not bad because this virus is existing. No, no, no. God is a good God. And he's a good God because he sent Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, to save you, get this, to save you from your greatest crisis. And your greatest crisis is your sin crisis. And your sin crisis is so much greater than the coronavirus crisis that we are living in right now because our sin crisis has eternal consequences. That I'm a sinner. God is perfect. And if I don't trust in Jesus as my Savior, I am separated from God for all of eternity. My sin crisis has the greatest consequences, has eternal consequences. But listen to me, Christ solved your greatest crisis your sin crisis, so that you could actually speak hope to this coronavirus crisis. Now, I would not desire this at all, nor would my family. But God forbid, if this coronavirus, and I got this coronavirus, and I died, here's what I know. I'm going to live with Jesus forever, forever. And my family, as much as they would be grieving, they have a hope to know that I am in heaven with Jesus forever and that they will see me once again. And I don't say that even to be insensitive that if you've lost someone, but I say that so that you understand that God came and saved us from our greatest crisis. He's a good God. And if I don't get the coronavirus, which we all hope that that's us if we haven't gotten it already. Here's what, here's what I know. God is going to use that to bring others to him so that they will realize of what Jesus Christ has done for them. What is the one thing that you need to do this week to focus on the beauty of the Lord? Get into God's word as we talked about. Get into prayer. Do I need to put on some worship music to get my mind thinking? Do I need to go for a prayer walk? What new routine do I need to establish so that I can focus on the Lord's presence? Psalm 73, 25 and 26 is written by a guy named Asaph who is the worship leader of Israel at the time who's struggling 
in a crisis. And he says this, whom, I, whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Focus on God's presence and feed your faith with gratitude so that your fear will starve. Here's the third thing and the last thing we need to understand about the Lord's presence so that our main thing can be the, or our one thing can be the main thing. Look at what else he says in verse four. He says, one thing I've asked of the Lord, that will I seek after. He says, to inquire. That word inquire means to seek, to consider who God is. And he says, in his temple. Remember when I said Jesus has lived out every one of the things that we've looked at today and we will look at throughout this psalm? Think about what Jesus did over and over again. What does he do? He goes away with the Father. He goes away with the Father. You see that over and over again in the Gospels. Why? Because Jesus understood what he needed more than anything else was to live in the Lord's presence, to focus on the Lord's presence, to seek after the Lord's presence. And where is God inviting you? Where is God inviting you? To seek him in a greater way than you ever have in the past. Can I let you in on something? God wants your questions. God wants to hear your doubts. God wants to hear your fears. He wants to hear your frustrations. He's not turned off by them. I remember a while back, I had to go see a counselor because I found myself in a spiritual ditch that I couldn't get myself out of. And, and one of the profound things, yet simple things, one of the things that I've even preached in the past, but I needed to hear from that counselor is I was struggling to really say, man, man, I, I struggle. I feel guilty about taking to the Lord my, my frustrations and my doubts on what he's doing because I don't want to appear like some spoiled child to God. And, and, I, and here's something so simple that he said. He said to me, he said to me, God is big enough to hear those. And he said, that's what a relationship is. God wants to hear your questions. God wants to hear your doubts. God wants to hear your frustrations. God wants to hear your fears. You need to seek after the Lord's presence in this time because here's what I found. When I actually say those out loud, I give opportunity for the Holy Spirit to speak truth to those things. And let's not fool ourselves into thinking that David didn't also struggle. He did. James 4.8, I love what James 4.8 says. He says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. And then he says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you're double-minded. You know what I found is when I press in and seek the Lord's presence, here's what also begins to happen. The Holy Spirit begins to reveal some things that, oh Lord, I need to confess that. That's been an idol. I put that above you. Those things have become my main thing. Lord, I confess that is sin and I press into you again. But what we need to do is we need to turn our panic. If you're feeling panic, we need to turn our panic into prayer, our worry into worship, our fear into faith. Because when our one thing is the main thing, more than any other thing, 
that one thing being the Lord's presence that we long for more than anything else. Look at what the result is in verse 3. David says this, though an army encamp against me, though I feel like an army is pressing in, though you may say, man, I feel like my fears and, and what's going to happen with my job or, or is my job going to be there when I get back or is, or is the aid that the, that the government is giving, is it going to come in on time? Whatever it may be, if, what, may, what it may be in your life right now, it feels like it's encamping against you. David says, my heart shall not fear. The war rises against me, yet... Even though that may be happening, I will be confident. I will have the heart of a lion. Why? Because my one thing is the main thing. Listen, you may be on the other side of this camera, and we've talked all morning about having a relationship with the Lord, and you would say, I don't have one. And what I want to encourage you with is what Revelation 3.20 says. Jesus says this, and he says this to you right now. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. I wonder right now if the Lord is literally knocking at the door of your heart and he wants you to let him in. And if that's you, I encourage you, just to call out to the Lord right now and to say, Lord, I confess I'm a sinner. Lord, I believe that you came and you lived a perfect life for my sinful life. You died on the cross for my sins. You rose again three days later. Lord, I repent of my sin. I ask forgiveness of my sin. I put my trust in you as my Lord and Savior. And if you do that, the beautiful thing is, as Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, you will be saved you can have a relationship with the Lord. And I encourage you to let us know that as a church. Send us an email. Go to our staff page. Send us an email. Let us know if you're streaming this right now that you've done that. But to press into that relationship with the Lord if you never have before. Listen to me. If you have a relationship with the Lord, here's what I want to challenge you with. Memorize verses 3 and 4 this week. Memorize it. Scripture memorization is literally ammunition that we can use to speak to our fears, to speak to our doubts. So have a heart of a lion this week. Press into the Lord's presence. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you promise that you are with us every step of the way as followers of Jesus Christ. Lord, may we have a heart of a lion this week. May we look to you. May we live with courage and confidence in the character and competency of who you are in all circumstances, Lord. May we live in your presence this week. May we focus on your presence this week. May we seek after you this week. And in Jesus' name that I pray, amen.